0: Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jarrett Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On today's episode, I am talking to the designer, educator, and curator John Sueda. John is the founder of Stripe, a graphic design studio in San Francisco that specializes in printed matter, identities, and exhibition design, and is the chair of the MFA design program at California College of Arts. He was also the co-editor of the Task newsletter and has curated exhibitions about uh, speculative design, California design, and an interesting show about the intersection of exhibition design in the visual arts. I first came across John's work a uh, few years ago when I was living in San Francisco. I saw his 2014 exhibition, All Possible Futures, which looked at uh, speculative design and unrealized projects from uh, contemporary designers like experimental jet set, Project Projects, Carl uh, Martin's, and uh, Solki and Min, and I was really impressed with the show and the accompanying books, intellect and investigation into these alternative practices. So I've been following his work ever since. And last fall, I uh, talked with John via Skype to talk about his design background, the intersection of his various activities and the relationship between curating and design. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Sueda. The place that I wanted to start is I actually re-watched in preparation for this your Walker Art Center talk, oh. um, <laughs> which was kind of you kind of covered similar things, and you had this title, When Worlds Collide, and you had these three circles of kind of your three ways that your practice operates, like I think it was like client work, self-generated work, and teaching, and so I kind of wanted to start with, with that idea of those three separate things, and how you came to be doing those separate things, is that, you know, how did you kind of get into design, and then kind of break out into all those other areas
1: well i first got in well my, my undergraduate degrees in in fine art and i went to to uc davis um but to, to be totally honest i was completely focused on playing tennis oh wow so yeah that was like my first sort of passion in you know in high school i played Really serious tennis, and I played in college. And going to college was more a vehicle toward trying to get on the best, in the best tennis program possible. So, so wow, I, That's so, amazing. So UC Davis had a really like was like I think they were the national champs in like Division Two. They were really good, and they had a really great coach, and that's pretty much the reason I went there. And okay. um, <laughs> and, and I was I love a, it. Yeah, And I and I actually was um. You know, my father's an architect, and I was really kind of given a lot of, you know, art kind of um, opportunities growing up. So that was like the natural thing to go into, kind of. And, um, but I have to say, it was really a sidebar to my other passion at the moment and at that moment. And then design became a sort of excuse of what I told my parents I was going to do when I graduated because I couldn't think of anything (laughs) else. (laughs) Right, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then when it actually happened that I, you know, graduated, I was working at, Rasputin Records in Berkeley in, in Berkeley, oh, okay. and and yeah, I right. and I just ended up making these signs, like these foam core airbrush signs, and then somehow that just led to me applying to CCA to to um, graphic design courses because that's what I had been telling my parents I was going to be doing all along, and um, and then it kind of. I met Martin Mineski, who was one of my teachers oh, like, right. pretty early on and um you know he really changed you know what I thought design could be and um I took his course a couple times, so I went to c c a maybe for a year and a half or something and i um something like that and I took his class a couple times and um and he hired me actually to be his assistant and so that was my sort of entry point to to design and um it was kind of weird because it was sort of a backwards entry because I kind of learned design from him in a way, in a really at a really high right. level conceptual or formal level, and I kind of skipped all the basics. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really weird, and and so I kind of had no my skills were really kind of backwards. Like I was doing all these weird kind of breaking all the rules of design without really knowing the basics a lot at the beginning and um yeah so that was sort of my entry and and that the kind of practice that he had which was like a one sort of one person small studio doing really like speak magazine was like his main thing and it was you know doing these sort of experiments like kind of bringing experimentation to sort of real projects and you know having a a real, you know, authorship in the work in that, in that sort of, um, that way, that 90s sort of way. Um, anyway, that was, that was where I entered design and, and, um, and I think that kind of set the groundwork for a lot of things that I ended up doing, like going back to school and, um, I kind of did. I have to say, he was such a big influence on me at the beginning. Like I, I he was an intern at Studio Dunbar. I applied to Studio Dunbar. I ended up getting an internship shit there. I kind of did. A, I didn't get into Cranbrook, but I went to to CalArts, so, <laughs> and so I, I kind of did a lot of. He kind of was a big inspiration to me early on, and I kind of followed in that mold because that because what he was doing is what I wanted to do. So I figured just following that would kind of end up in a good result.
0: So did you, I mean, it's interesting because like, I feel like in a lot of ways that was, that mirrors a lot of how I kind of got into design also. And I've told this to a couple of people that I've interviewed already, that I kind of discovered design when I was in high school. um, And I grew up in like suburban Pennsylvania, had never met a real graphic designer before, but this was the early 2000s. So it was right when design blogs were starting. And so I was learning about kind of theory and history and stuff before I ever had opened Illustrator or, or knew what kerning was. Yeah. And yeah. So, and so, like, then when I actually got to school and did that part, I kind of had all this history, but didn't know how to actually kind of do it. So, it's interesting because it sounds like that's a, in a way, similar to kind of how you came to it, also. Um, I'm curious how. After working for Martin, how long was it before you went to CalArts?
1: I think it was, let's see. So I was with Martin in the late, like, 96, 97. And then I think I I actually tried to move. I'm from Hawaii originally, and so I tried to move home because I was kind of homesick at that time. So I moved home to Hawaii, and then I taught at the university for a year because um, I, th- I guess the thing is I still had the aspiration to have this particular type of practice, but I was really naive and I moved to Hawaii and and, and um, thought I could do it there, but it really, there just wasn't that community or the um, kinds of projects that facilitated making that type of work there. It was, it's, you know, it's very tur- tourist industry driven and and it's hard to bring that kind of lens to making, brochures about like touristic kind of um,
0: right. yeah, yeah, industries yeah. and
1: and so it was quite frustrating and and so teaching kind of fell in like somehow teaching kind of fell into my lap there and uh, the the whole program at UH is run by Yale people from Yale and which is kind of weird but um, I kind of got oh, in nice. there yeah it's all like Ann Bush um, who went, went to Yale in the in the 90s I think and yeah. and um, and there was another guy who I met there named um, um, named Stewart, who who uh, who was really like a mentor to me um, early on um, to kind of because I, I was kind of stepping into like a highly again highly theoretical conceptual space that I didn't really know about that at that time. I have to say I was very much a formalist um, at the beginning. That's what sort of was my entry point to working with Martin, and I think I. I think the big conflict with me early on was like I could do the form, but I didn't know why I was doing it. And I think that kind of drove me toward going back to school because I kind of wanted to have a consciousness about it because I didn't have it. I was just – I could make stuff if Martin was sitting next to me and like talking to me about it. I could generate it, but I didn't really have a sense of why or what I was doing really beyond just – yeah. Making the work, yeah. um, so I think going to Cal Arts. I so I taught for a year and I went back to Cal Arts, and that was I like sort of both a moment to gain that kind of consciousness, but also kind of reinvent myself because I had you know I feel like I was very much like a style formal stylist. I would say I could do work that looked like in that style that Martin did, but but yeah. but it wasn't very. Kind of authentic to my my own thinking or myself, because I didn't really know what I was doing um, right. and so it was a moment to like reimagine my work and um kind of actually learn the kind of basics like I actually went to KellArts and learned about typography in a really um almost like basic way because i didn't I missed all that stuff and understand understand why form looks the way it does based on history and this all this stuff i kind of skipped over basically and and um yeah so there was a kind of a reinvention of my work is obviously i think my work now doesn't i think the funny thing is i think i'm so i was so tied to martin at at the beginning but our work now looks completely different and it kind of is doing totally different things but we still really Share a lot of like we agree on mostly everything I would say, but just the work looks different now because I feel like I kind of figured out what how I wanted to work in, right. in some way.
0: <laughs> and that and that happened. You, you think that happened? Kind of going to Cal Arts, and I don't, I don't know, like almost kind of breaking yourself of these patterns that you would learn. Yeah, about?
1: it was also my faculty there, like kind of bashed, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> was pretty hard on me because of that as well. Cause they kind of were just like, Oh, you're just doing the same thing you were doing before. And, and like, can you, can you, can you do something? They just really pushed me to sort of rethink yeah. how I'd work and, and be, you know, kind of find my own kind of voice or whatever. And, and, um and also I think it was a moment I think I, you know, I went to school in the year 2000, which was, you know, you could see that nineties wave coming down. It was because I, I kind of joined design in the mid nineties when this wave was at kind of at its peak and you could see it, you know, David Carson. And like, I went, my first lecture I went to was David Carson in the like ninety ninety five and like it was like a rock concert and yeah. people were throwing stuff at the stage. It was so bizarre. Cause you just didn't, you know, that's what graphic design is. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> And, you know, and, um but you could kind of see that the end uh, when I started, it was kind of sad because I also feel like I've kind of joined everything at the end, like it's yeah, I wish I was. You know, you were like, I wish I went to school five years before when it was the wave was at its peak and you could be part of that. But I feel like everything I've done, it's like the end of something cool and it's like the transition to something new. So I, when I went to school, everybody's like, "What do you do? You can't do this anymore. Like, what do you do next?" And it was really a confusing period. And you're you're kind of in the middle of wanting You came to school to do this thing that's now no longer. You can tell the relevancy is kind of ending, and yeah. and trying to think of what, what to do next, um, which actually, in retrospect, was super great in a way. But um, at the moment, you're kind of you're kind of feel like you missed the boat <laughs> a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's interesting though to to actually hear you say that because you know the '90s were this kind of big kind of postmodernism, David Carson, but there was also this. Kind of big interest in theory. And a lot of CalArts people were very influential in that. And I'm thinking of like Lorraine Wilde or, you know, kind of Jeffrey Keaty. Um, did you have that? Were they your professors when you were there?
1: You were yeah, Keaty, um, Michael Worthington, Lorraine, um, yeah. Ed, all the people that were doing, you know, there was there. That was the, you know, at that time, CalArts and kind of Cranbrook were the schools yeah. that you would that were kind of at the height of um the uh that era, that kind of um that time and uh yeah they were kind of producing all the design discourse that was going on through immigré and and lecturing and stuff like that and so yeah it was it was sort of the place to be at the time um um so yeah that's why I went there really to be part of that and and um yeah, they were great. I think um, I still, to this day, have a really good dialogue with all those people. and, and um, Yeah, although they're not pretty, you know, that, it was sort of the, again, like, uh, Immigrate ended, what, in like 2006 or something? Uh, yeah. Something like that. But like, you know, it was sort of the, you could, you know, it was the tailing off of a lot of that, that discourse and design, design history and theory being kind of produced by its own practitioners and stuff like that. And it, it, it was a change um, in the mid-2000s, 2000, 2006 or something. There was this real shift in where that dialogue came from and sort of the um, rigor of it maybe. I don't know. It's different. It's just different. Yeah. It's a different kind of rigor. I mean,
0: all of them are people who are on my list to hopefully eventually talk to for this project because I'm, I'm very curious kind of about that, that shift also. And for those people that were these big voices, you know, what was their perspective on that? And it's interesting um, because you're kind of a student in the middle of all this. Were you, was it changing how you were thinking about the design work that you were doing, kind of being in that environment and being a part of that discourse?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, I think, again, in that moment, students were kind of questioning all that, all that theory. And, you know, it was, it was like, what's, is that still, you know, um, you know, I think one of, another one of my design heroes was this guy named Alan Horry. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a Cranbrook guy yeah. in the like late, late eighties who makes this amazing, made amazing work. And, you know, it was a work, of, it was work that was about theory in a way. It was like about, um, it, you know, it was, it was literally about, about that, that kind of theory. And, And, um, it was really hard to, um, I found it very difficult to channel the theory directly into the work so Uh, self-consciously, although it was something that I would, I was aspiring to do, but it wasn't, it didn't come very natural to me. Like I, I felt like, um, it, it was kind of like a block in a way. And, um, so I didn't, I don't think I rejected that stuff at all I totally you know was engaged I, I read a lot and and we had amazing kind of this design theory class at Jeff uh, Kiddy, and it was a really um, it was really great to you know have this rigorous discourse about that material but I think a lot of students including myself were just sort of questioning how you channeled that knowledge into making work and um right. And uh, maybe it was a little little bit different um, than that previous generation. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember it's such a long time ago. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> yeah. it was it's, yeah. I, I just went to Cal Arts last year and realized I graduated like 14 years ago, or something like that. So it's really the memory of it is really
0: yeah well how 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 kind of you know, after you graduated from there and started working? the environment when you were there did that kind of translate into your postgraduate kind of career career. yeah I mean yeah oh sorry I mean the thing that I'm thinking of specifically is just kind of all your curatorial activities feel like they might be a kind of direct relation to that but I was curious kind of how you how you see that
1: yeah yeah I mean um so in a bunch of different ways so um you know after school, I left. Um, I went to NC State. Um, my my teacher at the at my teacher Denise Denise Gonzalez Chris was my teacher at at Cal Arts and and she got the job at the, as chair of NC State when I graduated, and she invited me to like come with her and teach a course um for us basically for a year, but I could only stay for a semester because I. Had this internship set up at, at Studio Dunbar in, in January, so I just went for a oh, semester okay. and I moved to Holland. But um, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But I, I, you know, when I came back from Holland, I, I basically just try to recreate the sort of grad school atmosphere. Um, Gail Swanland was also faculty at okay. CCA that I kind of teamed up with. Um, we got a studio and shared it with another a few other people like um, Sean Donahue who was a guy who went to Art Center, um, And we just, you know, had this sort of collective group that kind of recreated a, the kind of whatever you want to call it, sort of grad school studio atmosphere. Also, the way that I remember Martin working, too, because Martin had a small studio, and Jeff Kaplan, who was also another oh, yeah. um, Cranbrook guy, was a guy that we, we were in the space with. So it was, you know, kind of recreating that kind of environment. Um, um, when it comes to the exhibitions and stuff, See, that's the funny thing. My first exhibition was at CalArts. Actually, Jeff Kaplan, who I knew from Martin, was in L.A. at the time, and I visited him right before I was about to start, and I said that I wanted to do an exhibition while I was at CalArts. But because I wanted to design, design books, so I wanted, I needed to do an exhibition co- so I would have content to design a book. So it was completely, it was completely not about exhibitions at the time. It was like, I need to generate something that I can make a, a book with because I wanted to do catalogs or something, art catalogs. So, I mean, that, that, so was, ju- ju- that was
0: literally going to be my next question was like, what, what were you thinking that made you want to do that? And so it's, uh, yeah. it was for it's funny. So you could so It was
1: because I could design something. So Um, Jeff's like, you should design a, you should, you should curate an exhibition about um, the history of typefaces at CalArts. And I'm like, okay. And so that's what I did. So when I, the spring, the fall of, um, the fall of um, my first year, I just, I proposed uh, that I was going to do this. And it, I, I, I teamed up with one of my classmates named Stuart Smith, who I, um, we just basically like went through the archive, this archive of posters and typefaces for the entire first year. And, Commissioned a lot of new work from previous um, graduates who had designed typefaces, and we did this really big show the fall of my second year. That was basically like the first kind of exhibition I ever organized and curated, and and um, we made a we made a little book out of it, <laughs> and um, but that right. it's funny, and then and then yeah, so that was the beginning of it, and then when I had my own studio a year, year and a half later, um, in, in LA, I wanted to, again, I think it was not in the aim of being a curator or anything like that. It was like, I wanted to recreate the sort of, um, critical space that I remember in school. So I started creating these events at this, um, public art center, like across the street from my studio. So I'd rent it out for three hours on Sundays and say, Oh, maybe we would do a lecture or something and just somehow because there was space it ended up being that we started doing exhibitions. So we would invite people to do a lecture and we they they would have all this work. So we just sort of set up these really short three hour exhibitions. And I think that slowly got me interested in the exhibition part of it more than like the book part of it. And yeah. and um but it was this really interesting constraint of you have three hours and you have no money. So so like right. what can you what can you do in three hours that would be interesting and that was a really um sort of productive platform to just experiment with, you know, really like messy and quick um ideas of how to or it, it forced you to be sort of concept conceptual because you just had no a you know, you had no ability to make something super aesthetic in a way because it was just like you had tables, you had a couple walls and you had some push pins and you would just like do them really quick and you'd take it down.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So how, what, I, I, one, think that it's interesting that that was, it's almost was an accident that you kind of even fell into that. Yeah. How, how much of of exhibitions and curating is a part of, you know, what would you say is your job now? Now, um,
1: well, okay. I mean. Now I'm the so now I'm the chair of the the grad program at CCA and you know it's a I it, you know I sort of felt everything I've sort of fallen into I never had the um, you know when I first started it was never like a goal that this that I'd be a chair of a MFA program really but it was never a goal that I would be uh, curate exhibitions either so there's all these sort of things that just happen kind of organically but. Um, you know, and before I took the job as chair, I was kind of on this on this, um, on this uh, path of, you know, I had curated about three really pretty big graphic design exhibitions, and that was really what I was on the path toward doing, and then this opportunity came to be the chair of of the MFA program at CCA, and it sort of shifted what that whatever you want to call that, sort of curatorial practices. It's it's sort of a different thing, kind of, you know, organizing a curriculum and a program and and bringing together people and organizing um, types of, you know, events and content that that drive a particular kind of making that we're we're interested in in fostering at the program, which is, I would say, really connected to the kind of maybe cross-disciplinary approach that I was, you know, kind of starting to um develop in my own work. So, yeah, it's just sort of shifted, but I still see it through a particular kind of lens that's similar to what I was doing before.
0: Yeah. How to 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 come back cuz teaching was going to be my next question was was about teaching, but I kind of want to follow this for a second going back to the Walker Art Center talk of how these things start to come together into one Kind of practice how how did that kind of start to happen for you, and how do those things interact with each other? your kind of independent practice and teaching and
1: It's weird because again, um, I think at the beginning, and I think I said this in the Walker talk, I think that at the beginning they're really different, but that's yeah. I just think at the beginning you just are just doing whatever um, you can do to kind of survive so I was taking any teaching that I could get, which doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my interest in my work, really. They were just, you know, you just take what you can get. I I was doing these beginning like type or, or design courses that are kind of foundational. Yeah. And then um, I was, um, you know, just taking any kind of design projects that I could get when I first started my studio. And. And then you have these self-generated projects that were basically what I really wanted to be doing, and then slowly they just start to converge. After you start to teach a little bit more, people give you more options of what you really would want to teach, and then you can, you know, start teaching those types of things. And then you get projects after years that are more the kinds of things that you want to be doing. And they, you know, it just naturally. I think with everybody, it would probably do that. I think it's. I think. um, it's the ideal that these things start to become uh, like not be able to pull them apart. It's so easy. Um, so, you know, maybe six years down the line you're, you're, um, you're doing, you know, especially when I was with the Wattis, it's like, you're working, you're the sort of I was the design director at the Wattis where I'm working with a curator and you're working on exhibitions and, um, with a curator and artists and making, you know, um, you know catalogs and working on exhibition spaces and then um, you're teaching i was teaching like an exhibition course so you're, it's like kind of literal and then right. and then you're and then you're um and then in your independent work you're kind of curating the exhibitions you're kind of doing taking on the responsibility that 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 like the curators that i worked with at the wadas were doing sort of like the uh, collapsing all of it into one thing and there's just a really big, you know, the overlap is kind of seamless, especially because I was, it was all at the, at CCA. So I was, I was the design director at the Wattis at CCA while I was teaching at CCA. And one of the classes was an exhibition course that was connected to an exhibition I curated at CCA. <laughs> so it was all like became like one thing. And um, yeah, so it was really, it's really super fortunate. Um, It's really a, a, a kind of a lucky break for me that, everything kind of came together so well eventually.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to I kind of shift a little bit to uh, the idea of design criticism. Um, and I, I was curious if you kind of see the work that you do as a teacher and doing exhibitions as kind of a form of criticism. Sure. I mean...
1: Yeah, I yeah I think it is, <laughs> but I don't think about it that I don't think about it that way so much. I think I think um, I get a lot of questions from people about framing what I do. Like I don't. At the end of the Walker thing, someone asked me if what I'm doing is a form of scholarship, and I was like, "Huh? Oh, right, right, I know." Right, right. And I had a really big problem answering that question because <laughs> yeah. sometimes I don't think of. Like, the reason why I start doing it isn't for these reasons, really, um, and, and, um, and I don't think about it that way because I think, I don't know, I don't know what it, whether it's a um, mechanism that I built into my brain to, like, take as much of that weight off of what I'm doing as possible so I actually don't come up with excuses not to do it. And I don't even think I don't even think about that either, you know. Um, <laughs> but until maybe after I do them, I'm like, "Wow, maybe that was a little bit a risk." But um, yeah. like, but at the time, I don't. I mean, I think that's part of my the way. Um, I don't know if it is a. It's sort of weird to sort of think of how your your own brain works, but it's a way of. I I think I do first and think later sometimes <laughs> yeah. um, and so I don't talk myself out of not doing things somehow and, and so I don't think about it I think if I thought oh this is like this, this um, body of work that's going to be this um, you know um, this critical sure. lens about d- design um, at the moment I might kind of feel like that was too much pressure to put on myself. And I just, I always think of it as I'm trying to make, create conversation and provoke a discussion about design. And that's where I frame it. And and in doing, in that action, it ends up being kind of a, being critical at the same time, um, a form of criticism. The work becomes a form of criticism. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think about it.
0: (laughs) I I mean, that, that, that actually leads. Perfectly into t- the two next questions that I had, um, and they're kind of unrelated, but I'm going to try to put them together into one question. Um, one is uh, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about your section in the Experimental Jet Set book, the uh, fragment of the index of fragments, um, which was my favorite part of that book. Oh, thanks. Um, and was actually a. A key to for me to understand the whole book and in a way understand all of experimental jet sets work oh. um, you know they've been a studio that I've known for years and have kind of followed but had never really thought about like critically and your section kind of got me to do that in a way that I hadn't before and so I see it kind of like you were saying as like this way to start I saw that section as a way to start a dialogue about their work that hadn't been started before Um, So that's one. Maybe that's not a question and and it's just a compliment. (laughs)
1: Thanks. (laughs) Um,
0: But but that kind of leads into my second question is about this idea of dialogue within the profession and kind of the state of that and the things that people are talking, the things that designers are talking about right now. What are your feelings on kind of the dialogue amongst designers or are there things that are kind of current that you think designers should be talking about and thinking about that aren't, or are there things that they are that you think are important? Hmm. Wow. Uh, that's a big, I, re- I realize that's a big question. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, that's a tough question because I think design dialogue is sort of all over the place. Like there's so, there's so many things being discussed and there's so many intersections between different disciplines that are having different kinds of conversations. There's, you know, in the Bay Area, there's, um, you know, the word graphic design, the term graphic design is even kind of a dying kind of um, title. Um, You know, people are becoming, you know, all of my students from six years ago, I look at them on LinkedIn and they're all um, interaction designers now. And there's just, there's a real, there's all kinds of discussions happening and I don't kind of pri- privilege any, you know, any in particular, I just, I, and I feel like the part that I'm involved in is a really specific little blip on the big sort of like scope of, of what, um, the profession is. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't claim to even understand or know every single dialogue that that's going on. Um, besides maybe the one that I'm having with particular people and. And, um, yeah, so there's an, I can't really, I don't really have a great answer for that. Um, besides what I'm kind of involved in and, um, people that I'm sort of interested in. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a great answer, yeah. but
0: I mean, no, I mean, that, that, that's interesting. Cause that was something else that I wanted to ask you about. I, um, the all possible futures exhibition was something that was kind of very, Uh, um, very important to me when I saw it and like I have the book and it's well-worn and I refer back to it a lot Um, and that's something that I feel like is a has a very specific dialogue that you're kind of conducting there and and when you're when you were working on that when you were thinking about that who was the audience, like, who were you imagining as, like, kind of the audience of that receiving that?
1: Myself. <laughs> I mean, are people, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. like, yeah. That's a great I mean, answer. I think it's people that are kind of, yeah, I mean, that's the honest answer, I guess. Like, people that are in this group, this small section of design that are um kind of... Have similar, like, like minded people that are, um, have similar interests to myself, I guess. It's, again, I don't think, that, I think what I've benefited from in these shows has been that they aren't, um, in like museums and they're not for the general audience. And so I don't have to worry about a certain amount of people coming through the door. And my, so I haven't had to compromise the intent of the shows really. Um, they can be really specific and sometimes not for the mass audience or not planned for them at least. Um, although I have to say like every gallery worries about people coming through the doors, even this even small ones. Um, but I didn't really have to that wasn't a um uh something a mandate that I had to make something that like you know hundreds of thousands of people would enjoy. Um, so I kind of like that cause I think that's, you know, people like, you know, like graphic design non-production, people like Andrew and Ellen have to, you know, they're, because they're so, they're really brilliant and smart and they have these bigger opportunities at these larger institutions. They have to worry about that. Like, how can you bring a, a critical lens to a sort of show that has to be enjoyed by the math, mass, the masses? And so they're do to me, they're doing a different kind of thing than I'm doing, um, And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if I would be successful in, in that world the way they are. Um, I think I would love to kind of do, continue doing things that are a bit smaller, that don't have to, um, that can be more specific in a way. Um,
0: Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, I mean, that was kind of like what I was getting at. I, I didn't know how to phrase it, but that idea of kind of general audience versus very specific and the trade-offs you have to make if that's something that you think about. So it's interesting that you are kind of focused on keeping it small, uh, you know, with this kind of specific audience so you can have this you know, specific dialogue. I guess. Yeah. And it's and it's um Yeah, I and
1: I don't, you know, I don't truly know what the, because, you know, all of these shows have been I haven't Again, the really the big difference between doing it in a big institution is the amount of time you get. Like most of my shows have been like a month, or I'll or really it. short. And um, I haven't treated in that way in the way that they've been executed. They like every like all the curators I talk to say, "Do it like it's up for a year, even though it's you know make it look like it's right. going to be up for a year, even though it's going to only be up for a month." So that's what I sort of aim for and document it like it's going to be. Um, you know, that it's, you know, make a document that's going to last, um, and keep the conversation going beyond that month. And so that's how I kind of treat it. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I mean, the book, I guess it has had a lifespan, a pretty good lifespan, but, um, again, I think that the book is more, a um, um, kind of a reader, but also a kind of, um, Platform for a dialogue that isn't always in in um, uh, kind of aligned completely with even the intent of the show. I think I think um, one of the criticisms was that I included things that are kind of against the premise of the show in a way. Like I think experimental jet set had in fact sort of questioned was sort of their show was actually a criticism. Their, their their piece that they made, their commission, was almost like a critique on the content of the show. Yeah, yeah. And and um, that was sort of, and I think, yeah. And like Rick, I think Rick Pointer wrote a thing about it and it was sort of, that was sort of a criticism that it kind of, I don't know, maybe, I can't remember. Somebody criticized it, I can't remember exactly who it was, but that, that kind of weakens it a little bit. But I kind of, I've always liked that, part of it and felt like that was the most honest way to sort of um, um, to sort of represent the kind of dialogue that I want Um, and it isn't about sort of proving an idea it's about opening up a discussion about it because I think also at the time another kind of again this idea that I don't kind of stop myself this idea of this this speculative design thing at, at the time now it's way more codified in my mind because that Speculative, everything came out like yeah. sort of like right after the show came out and so it's up the, the dialogue has been heightened around this idea and it's way more clear what it is right in, in right. at least in the product design realm than i than what i thought it was when i did it and and i started the idea of this whole show actually was originated in 2006 which is way really a long time ago wow. in this in this task newsletter article that i did that was about like unrealized projects and that being the sort of um oh, the equivalent of like the, you know what um um you know what like sort of speculative architecture or paper architecture was because you know there isn't a, there isn't a platform for graphic designers to produce work that isn't really meant to be executed that that kind of represents the sort of in, innovative or new ideas in fact they kind of end up in hard drives because they never get made so it was sort of this platform to show really interesting ideas that maybe cause problems more than solve problems or ask questions more than solve problems and so that 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 was I sort of did this article for this task newsletter um, uh, publication that I that I published with Emmett Byrne and Alex D'Armond in 2006, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so that was the beginning yeah. of that. So this basically, I used that article as the proposal for the exhibition in 2013, like six years after that. Oh, so so, so it's it's gone kind of way back, which I didn't, there wasn't any like the idea of a speculative design in the terms that Dun and Raby put it was like no not even clear in my mind in 2006, although I interviewed Dun & Raby about the idea in that article, oh, wow. which is sort of funny. So maybe, yeah.
0: so maybe they took it, they got it from your interview. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. I, I highly doubt it. Um, they were definitely people that I was sort of looking at as models for this yeah. kind of practice and trying to find a parallel in, in graphic design.
0: Um, I, have, I have just a couple quick questions just to wrap it up yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I just want to to close, kind of think about how, or kind of hear about how you think about all these other activities that you've done, things like task newsletter and things like the piece in the experimental jet set book, and then your teaching and these exhibitions have those, how have those types of things changed you as a designer or have those, have things you've learned from working on those projects made their way into the kind of client, traditional client work that you do?
1: They're just, they're kind of, they're pretty different. Um, uh, I think, I think, I think there's a level of authorship that, I mean, I have a really great relationship with Jens Hoffman, the curator I work with, yeah. and we've worked together for, you know, since 2007, um, on, on, a ton of exhibitions and stuff. And there's a, there's a level of, you know, he's, you know, wildly creative and, And, um, and also very respectful of other people's creativity. And, and so, you know, he's always given me a lot of creative freedom to try different kinds of things. And I think there's different levels of the kind of authorship that I may take in these projects that I'm sort of generating myself through more or less a traditional um, role of a graphic designer in some, you know, in some, you know, in some identities for exhibitions, I feel like there's different levels of um, a critical lens, let's say, or a commentary that, that go into the, to the, to these identities. And sometimes they're, and sometimes they come from yens themselves. They're in the, they're embedded in the sort of curatorial Approach to a show, so it maybe doesn't come from necessarily from me, but I see it I see it how he sort of brings this sort of lens or or humor even to um, do it you know a lot of his exhibitions are about other exhibitions you know and yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. and so there's this reflexiveness that that he brings to it that i I've learned a lot from and um myself and 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 so um, yeah but it's but it's it's a sort of different um yeah, it's not completely the same. Like I feel like in these other, you know, task newsletter, again, it's, the intent is very similar. I think the three of us were just really interested in, in, in the end, like it's, we started at, at the end of immigrate. So it's like, what, um, what could, you know, a new platform for talking about design be And it. And it was kind of this idea of looking at subjects outside of design through the lens of graphic design and, and, um, and what that would produce. So each issue was sort of meant to be about it. I mean, you know, we only got to issue two, unfortunately, <laughs> but, but, um, but, but I think issue two is a really good, a really great issue. Um, You know, it was about a particular topic through the lens of graphic designers. And then the experimental jet set thing was just a super fortunate, um, you know, I'm, you know, a totally great project just sitting there. And this, they I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to them because, you know, they came to me, their brief to me was like, we, you know, we want you to sort of edit this, this glossary type index. And, and just the content was just so rich and, and incredible that, I mean, I feel like anybody, um, I mean, I, 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 I'm proud that I worked on it and produced it, but It was just great stuff. I mean, like, I mean anybody that had that opportunity. I was just lucky enough to be the one to have the opportunity. But anybody could make something great out of that. It's just so rich with information and and um, you know, their. I've always been a fan of their work, so I read a lot of the interviews previously. But, and so it was just fun for me to read all these things and learn more about their, their work and, and uh, see this sort of evolution of a practice and how, and I think that's one of the great things that I love about them most is they're super transparent about their ideas and how they change their minds about things. And they're not trying to like present these absolutes like that never change. And, um, and so they're open, they're actually open themselves up for, criticism, which happens quite often, which I, I'm also, I'm also feel really, um, uh, like I I would say protective, but I, I get upset when I see see these sort of criticisms of them on blogs and stuff, because I think they're super generous. They're like offering their thoughts out there where nobody else does that. You know, nobody else writes you like a, like a hundred, you know, a thousand word. Essay about like each piece that they do, <laughs> and right. um, yeah, and,
0: yeah, I know, I love it. Yeah,
1: and so they're kind of offer dia with every piece of work they they do. They really are generous and offer you the opportunity to have a dialogue with them about what what they're working on, and and, and um yeah. So I think it's a re- they kind of to me um, uh, have created this really interesting practice and great work, but also a way of having a dialogue with. People that are um, interested in what they're doing,
0: right? Yeah, and you know, I think I think that's a a great way to end. And I think that a lot of the work that you do also kind of starts those types of dialogues. I know that I've kind of gotten a lot from your various projects, so I really appreciate talking to you and kind of appreciate you kind of doing this this other work and kind of helping me with this project. Uh, So Uh, thanks for your yeah, no problem.
1: It's fun. It's fun to. I mean, I think this is, I think I just really like talking to, talking to people about design. I think, and that's sort of, yeah. again, the, the genesis of like all this work is just about conversations like this. And again, I don't, I think what makes it happen for me in a uh, naturally is that I don't kind of try to, I don't have, I don't see the end of what it is it's just about conversations and, and I don't have this like grand vision all the time of like what they end up being. Yeah, yeah. And it just ends up being like a conversation and, and it just produces stuff that you can share and it kind of adds to, you know, kind of ends up being more conversations. So that's what, what's sort of fun about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's exactly kind of what this is. I is was like, you know, I like talking to people. I like, you know, talking about design. It's like, Oh, what if part of my, this project is just these conversations. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I thought this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. This episode was recorded on September 28th, 2016. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter at Surface Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.